Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. tonight so we're back on a Wednesday I uh, I feel like I got to learn how to ride this bike again because my Wednesday nights have been on a stool uh, sometimes I'm wearing tennis shoes and I don't know if y'all can see that or not and uh, not really I didn't even know what to wear tonight it's been so long I, um, and I told him before tonight I said I don't really know we'll just let the Lord be with us and lead us so I hope that's all right. I'm glad to see everybody uh, on this Wednesday night. Um, and I, these are going to grow. I, it, this is such a weird time. It's a weird time in our country. It's a weird time in our world. We've taken nine months off of our Wednesdays. Uh, we wanted to start bringing it back by just doing the first Wednesday of the month. And I know that was confusing to a lot of people because we were getting emails and text messages. What does this mean? Like, we're only doing it once? Like, is it the first Wednesday of the year? Like... This, the first Wednesday coming back, like what does that mean? So to to, to clear up these muddy waters, Mark, um, it means the first Wednesday of the month. So that's what it means, the first Wednesday of the month. So let's get that rhythm of the first Wednesday of the month. Tell your boss, hey, the first Wednesday of the month, I'm taking off a little early. If you are the boss, you don't have to tell anybody. You can just slip out. Uh, and uh, and I want this to just be a uh, excitable service with worship and um, and the word and just to be able you know I've also had so many people since we've gone to two services I've had so many people say oh we miss so and so we never see them are they still in the church and I say yeah they're in the first service y'all are in the second service so hey if go to those people and say come on Wednesday. And then you can be in the same service. So there we go. I like that. Uh, I'm going to get in the word. If you can, wave hello to somebody near to you and be seated. We are going into 21 days of prayer and fasting. This time has been such a catalyst for our church. I, I can't overstate enough how much I believe this can be life-changing for you and be exciting in your life. You know, I believe that people that don't engage in prayer, don't engage in fasting, they're really missing out on everything that God has for them. Uh, People that don't take a time out of their day to pray, they are missing what God wants to do in their life. If people don't ever get a hold of the power of fasting... They are missing one of God's greatest tools that we have. I believe that people who are prayerless are powerless. Are you with me still? 
And if we don't pray and fast, we are actually limiting what God can do in our life. We are actually limiting what God wants to do in our life when we do not invite him into our life with prayer and take on the power that fasting has in our life. I remember that Jesus, the Bible said that Jesus in his hometown could not do many miracles because they looked at Jesus and they said, isn't this Joseph's boy? Isn't this the carpenter's son? He says he's the son of God, but we remember when he was running around in swaddling clothes, right? And they, he couldn't do many miracles because their faith limited him. And there was no problem with Jesus. There was no problem with his miracle working. There was no problem in that. The problem was in their faith believing that Jesus could do something in their life. And I believe that when we, if we fail to pray, if we fail to fast, then we are limiting the power and the anointing and the door opening and the divine appointments that God wants to do in our life. I love one thing that Corey Tenboom said. She said, the more I pray, the more coincidences happen. Now, she was saying coincidence is tongue-in-cheek because they weren't coincidences. The more I pray, the more I'm seeing God doing things in my life that you would think was a coincidence, but in reality, I know that it's because of prayer. I love what Andrew Murray said. He said, when I work, I work, but when I pray, God goes to work. Amen. I like that. There's something that happens when we begin to pray and not only pray, but when we add fasting to our prayer. And I want to look at three stories tonight about people that had something, but when they added fasting to it, everything changed. I want to start with Acts chapter 10. And this is so powerful because we see a man here, and I want to look at verse 10, uh, verse number one rather, in Acts chapter 10. I'm going to skip down for the sake of time or just read briefly. Uh, so in the booth, uh, just follow with me quickly. There's a man in Caesarea. His name's Cornelius. Notice that he's in a centurion of the Italian regiment. Says he's a devout man. Says he's a man that fears God. It says that all of his household does. Now he was an important man. So when it says household, it was more than just his wife and his children. It would have been the people that he employed, uh, close servants and things like that. And so he led his family well, led even people that worked for him to serve God. He gives alms generously. He has somebody that has a giving heart. And it says that he prays to God always. I think this guy is a pretty good guy. In about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God coming to him and saying, calling him by name, calling him Cornelius. When he observes him, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now he, now he says, send men to Joppa, send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. He'll tell you what you must do. And when the angel spoke to him, he had departed. Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier uh, from among those who waited on him. They worked for him. So when he had explained all these things to him, he sends him out 
to Joppa. Now, we're going to go to verse 9, and this is what God is doing on the other side. Um, They draw near to the city, and Peter, the apostle Peter, he goes up to the housetop to pray. It's the sixth hour of the day. He becomes very hungry, uh, verse number 10, and he wants to eat, but they made ready, and he fell into a trance. Verse 11, and the heavens opened up, and an object like a great sheet falls down. Uh, I'm going to skip over this part because uh, you might know this and it's not entirely relevant to where I'm going tonight. But you know the the story that God uh, drops a sheet from heaven or really more like a tablecloth. There's all kinds of unclean animals uh, that the Jewish people did not eat. Peter says, I'm not going to eat that. And he drops it three times. He says, Peter, what I've called clean, uh, don't call common. Let me go down to verse 17. While Peter wondered within himself what the vision had meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius made an inquiry for Simon's house. Verse 18, and they called, they asked whether Simon Peter was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men uh, are seeking you. Arise, go down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now, I know there's a lot of verses there. What I want to show you is that God was working on two sides here with two different people. And I'm going to show you that that Cornelius was already a good man. He was already somebody that prayed. He was already somebody that loved God, feared God, raised his family to love God, serve God. Uh, What else did it say? He had a giving spirit. He gave to people, all of those things. And this is an amazing thing because there was one thing that he was missing that we'll see that he ended up adding and it changed everything in his life. But these two people, they were in two completely different worlds, Cornelius and Peter. And if it wasn't for prayer and fasting, they would not have come together. Let me read verse 44. This is kind of the end of the story. And then I'll kind of walk it back. Peter's speaking to them. He's in Cornelius's house. He's preaching. The Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon all of them, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them that heard the word, verse 45, and then uh, they were astonished, the Jews were astonished, um, the, all the people that came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had not been poured out on the Gentiles, verse 46, um, they'd heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then Peter answered, can anybody forbid water, that these who have just received the Holy Spirit be baptized in water just as we have, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. All right. So here's what happens is there's a man that is, is a good man. He's praying. He's, he's, he's fasting. Uh, he's, he's giving. But the one thing that he added this time, we'll see it in verse 30, is the Bible says he chose to go on a fast. Now, let me see verse 30 there. Now, I don't know. It says, so this is when Peter knocks on his door. It says, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. So I know there was a lot of verses 
there, but that's what I want you to notice there, is that Cornelius was already a good man. He already loved God. He already gave alms. He already served God. He already was somebody that prayed all the time, it said. But he just realized that there is something more for me. And so four days ago, he begins to go on a fast. And in the ninth hour of that day, of the first day of the fast, an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Cornelius, I've got somebody that is going to come and tell you about the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be this, uh, really this Gentile Pentecost that's going to change the whole world. Now I've preached this chapter many, many times. And I've heard this chapter preached many, many times. And every time I've always preached it from the angle that, uh, if, if you know the book of Acts, you know, Acts chapter 2, in the upper room, it was basically Jewish people that were in that upper room that the Holy Spirit was poured out on. If you go to Acts 8, Philip is having a revival in Samaria, but Samaria, they're kind of half Jew, half not. And so it wasn't entirely strange to them that God was pouring his spirit out on them. Uh, Peter and John go down. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. But here's what was changed is they did not know or they did not understand what God was doing. And so Acts chapter 10 was a really big deal. Now, that's not what I want to preach tonight. What I want to preach is that, I was going to say, y'all have heard, you guys know that, that, that all of that. But what I want to preach is that what really opened that door, what really opened the door, what really changed that, that the Holy Spirit just wasn't being poured out on Jewish people or part Jewish people, but now it's for Italian people. Now it's for everybody. Now it's being poured out on everybody was that one man, Cornelius, already a good man, already somebody that loved God, feared God, prayed and gave generously. But he said, you know what? I realize that there's more for me. He goes on a fast nine hours into that fast. God sends an angel that says, hey, guess what? There's a promise on the way here. Here's the instructions. We want you to meet with this guy, Peter. I want to just tell you tonight that when you add fasting to prayer, there's no telling what God can do. I think when Cornelius went on that fast, there's no way he would have thought 2,000 years later, there's going to be a church in, in, in the north side of Orlando that's saying my name, that's preaching my story, be, just from going on a fast and pushing a plate away. For nine hours, the angel of the Lord already came. He continued that fast for four days. His whole world was changed. Not only his world, but our world was changed because somebody added fasting to prayer. Added fasting to prayer. You know, I thought about, I thought about Jonah and uh, the Nineveh revival. You know, most of us know the story of Jonah and the whale. We probably uh, learned it in uh, we probably learned it in Sunday school. If you were fortunate enough to grow up in church, we hear about Jonah and the whale. We know the story. Jonah's on a boat. God says, "Go preach to Nineveh." He he buys a ticket on a boat in the opposite direction. All of a sudden, there's a storm that brews up, and the people on the boat are thinking, "This is not a natural storm. This is such a bad storm. This is a supernatural storm." 
storm. The gods, they didn't necessarily understand Jonah and his God, but they began to say, there's somebody's God is angry at them on this boat. And they said, this is a, this is a, a supernatural storm. We want to get rid of whoever's God is mad at them or at least make peace with your God because we're all going to go down on this boat. And Jonah says, well, you know what? It's actually me. Because I serve the one true God of heaven. Isn't it amazing? He believed that he served the one true God of heaven. But he says, but I'm disobeying him. And he told me to go this way and I'm going that way. And they said, well, then you're going to get off of this boat. <laughs> and so they throw Jonah overboard. And the Bible says that a great fish swallowed him whole. And it's in the belly of that great fish. We don't know if it was a whale or not. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. The Bible calls it a great fish. He's in the belly of that fish. And in the belly of that fish, he begins to call out to God. And God uh, begins to deal with him and he's saying, okay, Lord, I will go preach to Nineveh. The whale spits him up on the beach. That's most of the time where we end the story. But that wasn't the end of the story. The end of the story is that he does repent and he does say, okay, Lord, if you want me to go preach judgment, if we want me to go preach the coming destruction that's coming to Nineveh, I'll go there and preach. And so he goes, he begins to preach the word. And so they were a wicked city. They were a city on the way to destruction. Not only was their sin wreaking havoc and destruction upon their country and their nation, but now God was about to send his judgment. He was sending uh, Jonah with kind of that last ditch effort, repent, get out of here. God's judgment is coming. And so here's what they had. They had one preacher and they had the word. And the word of God was repent and get out of here because God's judgment is coming. So they had the word and there was grace that was going to be available for any individual that was going to get up and, and remove themselves from that wicked city. All they had was the word. But as Jonah began to preach, the anointing came over him. And what happened was the word even reached the highest levels of government to where the king decrees that we are going to go on a fast. So Cornelius had prayer and he added fasting. This king says, we've got the word of God and I'm going to add fasting to it. And he declared a fast. He declared such an extravagant fast that not only was he going to participate in the fast, not only was uh, the king's household going to participate in the fast, not only was all the people going to participate on the fast, he decided that the animals were going to participate in the fast as well. So he said, not even, the, not even an animal is going to drink water. Not even an animal is going to eat grain. We are going on a national fast. And what's amazing to me is they had the word of God. They had the, this, this, this preacher, one missionary coming. And the king says, you know what? It's not enough just if one person gets out of here or two people get out of here. The king began to go on a fast to save the country, to save the nation, to turn that country around, to save all of the people. And guess what? 
They took that one preacher. They took that one sermon. They added fasting to it. And God saw their sacrifice and his grace covered the whole city. Destruction was spared. They were forgiven. Revival happened all because that king said, look, I'm going to add fasting to that message. I'm going to add fasting to that sermon. I'm going to add fasting on top of what Jonah is preaching. And guess what happened? Their whole country was changed because they said, guess what? We're going to add fasting to that. I want to tell you, when you add fasting to what maybe you're already doing, there's a, it's a powerful, it's a powerful accelerator in your life. I want to tell you one other story about uh, a girl named Hadassah. And there was a king and God's people, they were in bondage. And there was a king who um, his wife fell out of favor with him and the king put her away. And so now there's a national search. The, the God's people are in subjection in this area. They're in bondage. They've been carried away from their homeland. And the king sends out a national search for a new queen. And uh, his, his, his original queen had, had fallen out of favor. And so this man named Mordecai, he has a, a cousin niece um, named Hadassah. And he tells her of this kind of the sweepstakes that is happening because God's people are in subjection. God's people are under bondage. And he believes that if he can get his niece into the throne room, into the good graces of the king, that something could happen. And so Mordecai uh, has Hadassah go before the king in this sort of this sweepstakes. All the, it sounds so strange, but all these girls are coming before him. They want to be the queen of, of the land. And so he says, no, not this one. No, not this one. No, not this one. And um, finally Hadassah comes before him and he immediately falls in love with her. He says this is... She says that favor, he immediately, uh, her beauty uh, got favor with the king. Now she's calling herself Esther. And uh, Mordecai had told her, he said, don't allow him to know that you are a Jew. Don't allow him to know that you're Hebrew because we don't know what would happen. Gain his favor, gain his trust, gain a, put, put a few years into the relationship. Then we'll tell him and we'll see if favor will happen. Well, at the same time, uh, Mordecai began to go about his business and he was being elevated now by his relationship with Esther, Queen Esther now. And he comes into contact with this guy named Haman. Haman had some power himself and Haman did like that Mordecai did not bow to him and did not pay him homage. He says, why are you not bowing to me? Why are you not paying me homage? And he basically said, I don't have to. Uh, he didn't tell him at that time. He did tell him at that time. He said, I'm a Jewish guy. I don't have to do that. Now, all of a sudden, Haman is very upset with Mordecai and he doesn't like him. And whenever he sees him, he gets angry. He gets upset. There's just something about him. He's, he's very, it just riles him the wrong way. He doesn't like him at all. And so Haman decides that he is going to use his bit of power to put Mordecai to death. So he tells his wife, I'm going, 
to put him to death. And he, uh, he now, that's not enough, not just, not just Mordecai, but he goes to the king and he gets a law put into, into uh, the land that, that any time that you saw a Jewish person, that you could take them out, that you could kill them. And he, not only that, he put a 10,000 uh, silver bounty on this and he got the king's ring to put it into law and it got sent out to all of the far provinces. And so now... Whereas they thought that God's people thought if we get somebody into a position, then we'll be able to be free from this bondage. But it wasn't the position alone that was going to free them. So Mordecai, he's still trying to leverage this position. He goes to Esther and he says, Esther, uh, you've got to use your position. You've got to use your influence with the king because we're going to get wiped off the planet here. They, they, are, they are slaughtering us. It is, a, it is a genocide just because of who we are. They are wanting to take us out. And it was happening. And Haman was just really insane. He had really lost it. He, his anger uh, was just overcoming him. And so Esther says, we are going to fast about this. She gets her household. She gets the people under her influence, the women under her influence. We are going to go on a fast. Mordecai told her, he said, look, you might be able to be okay for a little while in the the disguise of being the queen. But here's the thing. Someday, if you don't help us, you're going to go down just like all of us. You're going to go down just like we are. But I believe God has given you this position for such a time as this. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. That's where it comes from. Mordecai told his niece, God has put you here in this position for such a time as this. Esther declares a fast. They go on a fast. She tells the king, I want to, I, I, uh, she, she, she has a meeting with him. She says, I want to be with just you and Haman. There's a whole thing that plays out there that I don't have time with tonight. But Haman told his wife, I am going to hang Mordecai on these gallows. He built gallows 50 foot high, 50 cubits high. And uh, he says, I'm going to hang him on these gallows. Esther gets an audience with the king. Haman is there. Haman thinks that he is going to get set up on this horse and all of this royalty thing like this. And then Esther says, you know what? I want that to happen for my uncle, uh, my, my cousin Mordecai, my uncle Mordecai. And so Haman has to crown him and give him all these things and put him on the horse. He's very humbled. He comes back. Esther says, hey, to the king, hey, look, here's what I'm really here for. This law that's going out is to kill all of my people. I'm actually with them. And because the king loved her and had favor on her, he flipped on a dime on Haman and said, doesn't Haman have gallows in his front yard right now? And one of his assistants said, yep, he was building it and it's in his yard. And the king said, go and hang him on the gallows that he made for God's people. And he, with everything turned around, around. And here's what I want to say. You might have power, you might have position, you might have prestige, but it's not enough without God. And she had that position and she added fasting and guess what? God did the miraculous because somebody with a position said, look, ah, it's not enough. We need the Lord. And so I just want to tell somebody today 
that fasting is an accelerator. Fasting will change everything in your life. You might be already be somebody that prays, add fasting. You might already be somebody that's in the word, add fasting. You might be somebody that has a position, add fasting to it. And I'll tell you, there's no telling what God can do in somebody's life. You know, I, I believe that prayer is foundational. But fasting is an accelerant. I, I thought about how Cornelius was praying and praying, and the Bible said that he always prayed. Now, I believe that when he added fasting to it, there was an accelerator. I think that, I think that prayer and fasting is a challenge. There's a reason why the enemy fights you when you come to pray and fast. And that's what I want to tell you tonight. Prayer is foundational, but fasting is an accelerant. Prayer and fasting shouldn't be as hard for us as it is if we really understood what it did for us in our life. The Bible tells us, and this is going to be my theme this year, is that there are some things that come only by prayer and fasting. And so... You have Cornelius with the giving and the prayer, but it was really only by prayer and fasting. You have uh, Nineveh with the word, but it really only came when you added fasting. And then you had Esther with the position, but it only really came when you added fasting. And that's what I really want to bring out tonight is what would happen in your life if you added fasting? You might already be serving God. You might already love the word. You might already love God's house. You might already love God's people. You might already be somebody with a generous spirit. You might already have those things. But what would happen to your life and to your year if you added fasting? You know, the Bible tells us that we should pray without ceasing. The Bible says, uh, I would that you would pray and not faint. But then Jesus told them that there's some things that will only happen when you pray and you fast. And I believe that's why the enemy fights prayer so hard. Because the enemy knows the power of prayer. You know, you'll never find in the Bible where it says, read the word without ceasing. Just always reading the word. You won't find it. It doesn't say that. But it does say pray without ceasing. You'll never see where it says, you know, I would that you would just always give and not faint. Well... You just can't do that. But it does say, I wish that you would pray all the time and not faint. I believe it's because the enemy knows the power of prayer and fasting in our life. But how many know whenever you set your mind out to pray, whenever you set your mind out to fast, there's always this, these voices in your head that are telling you, hey, maybe not. There's voices in, in Jonah's head. Eh, I don't think I wanted to go there, Lord. There was voices probably in Esther's head. I don't know. If I leverage my position, I could die too. She actually told Mordecai that. She said, well, first of all, you have to go back to that first chapter as to why he put away his first wife is why Esther was a little concerned. I'll let you read that on your own. Uh, See, somebody's going to open the Bible tonight. That was my my goal. 
Uh, so she said, I, I'm, I'm afraid of that. There's voices in her head as to not do that. That's why she said, we're going to pray. We're going to fast. We need God's hand. My position is not enough. And I think that whenever we get to this time, we say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to set aside 21 days to pray and to fast. And I don't know if you're like me, but it's like, well, but we've got that thing. That's going to be kind of hard to eat a salad. And we got that thing, and this is busy, and we got this, and we got that. I don't know about the morning prayer. I don't know about if I'm going to really fast this year. Maybe I'll just fast candy bars or just fast Mountain Dew or just fast pumpkin pie. But I'll tell you, the enemy comes against you that hard because he knows the power that it would have, the victory that it would have in your life. Anybody, I don't know if you're like me, but um, anytime I... I uh, really try to pray. I'll try to come in here and I'll, I'll leave my phone over in the office. I have that luxury, I know. Um, I'll just leave my phone in the office because how many know that when you try to really sit down and pray, I'm not talking about just a thank you Jesus for this food, amen, God's great, let's eat. I'm talking about really setting a few minutes aside to pray. Your phone rings, text messages come in, you start thinking, whoa, I, I posted something on Facebook. I wonder if it's blowing up. I wonder if it's gone viral. <laughs> you think about the grocery list. Oh, yeah, I need to buy Ezekiel bread. I need to buy microwavable. What are those things? Burritos. Oh, the, the, the Tostinos pizza rolls. And then you open your phone and you start making your grocery list. And then the, the prayer stuff is just a long way away. I think it's because the enemy is fighting. There's a conspiracy of interruption every time you pray. I don't notice that conspiracy of interruption when I try to read the word. I don't notice that conspiracy of interruption when I want to do a hospital visit or do something kind for somebody. I, I don't notice that. But when I pray, when I decide to fast, I feel that resistance. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us because the Lord himself went on a 40-day fast. He left the city to be all alone, but guess who shows up? Satan himself shows up to push back on that 40 days of prayer and fasting. I think that the enemy knows how powerful it is for us to start our year out. And the enemy has made it a high priority to stop your prayer and to stop you from adding fasting to your prayer. And if the enemy has made it a high priority to stop you from doing it, we ought to make it a high priority to go ahead and do it. Amen. Let the music come. I'm going to say one other thing to you tonight and, uh, and come to a close. You know, one of the reasons why I love to start our year out with prayer and fasting is it just, it just resets. It's just a, it just it resets our outlook. It um, revives your spirit, rejuvenates you. Um, how many, I feel comfortable tonight. There's only about 50 folks in here. That might be evangelistically speaking. How many would just raise their hand and say they grew up in church? Yeah, some of us. Uh, when, I, when, I grew up in, when I grew up in church, revival was a, a meeting. It was a service. So we call it a revival service. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but in reality, revival is not a service. It's, it's not a meeting. It's not a week. It's something that happens on the inside. 
It's a reviving. If you were to revive somebody with CPR, with breath, with shocking their heart, it'd be something that happens on the inside. Something that happens on the inside. And if you would, if, if you would look at it, you would do a study, and I have. Fasting was always added as an as a essential component of revival throughout the Bible, throughout the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. If you look at Old Testament, New Testament, whenever you see revival, fasting was an essential ingredient. It was a part of it. When they would need a revival, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of many revivals in the Old Testament. I'm thinking of when Samuel came in and everything that had happened under Eli's leadership and his sons. And the first thing Samuel did is he said, we're going to go on a fast. We're going to go on a fast. And there was a revival that happened. Uh, and every time there was a revival, every time there was a rejuvenation, every time there was a new change of their, of their perspective, there was a resetting. Fasting was always a part of it. And I just, I just want to make a plea to you that everything we've come through this year uh, or this last year that I just need my I need my faith rejuvenated, boosted. I need kind of a fresh outlook, fresh vision, fresh anointing. I just need a rejuvenation, recharge. I think every year we do, but I think this year especially. I, uh, I thought about this. I, uh, this year we were doing some Christmas shopping and uh, we were with my boys and one of them likes to go up to the cologne counter and try all of the samples. And uh, he sprayed his, his neck, his shirt, his wrist, all the way up his arm. And the problem was it wasn't the same cologne. It was like eight different kinds. See, now I'm getting a little older, so I don't know all the brands, but you know, it was like Tommy, Tommy Cologne, Aquadigio, Polo Sport. Cool, what was it? Cool water, yeah, cool water cologne, yeah. I was thinking of the, the blue, the, this one, the, the not old spot, Aqua Velva, Aqua Velva. And so he had, he had, he had six, seven, eight different colognes working on him. You know, he's only three feet tall, so that's a lot of different colognes going on in a small space. And then they saw the coffee beans there, and they said, well, what, what is the, these coffee beans for? And I was showing them, well, you smell one of them, and then you smell the coffee beans. It resets your palate. It resets your, your, your sense of smell uh, to, to try another one. Now, there wasn't enough coffee beans to reset all the things that he had going on. But I'll tell you that I feel like sometimes, what do they say, smell the coffee, smell the beans? I feel like in this time, that that can be, this fast can be that for you. There's been a lot of things going on, been a lot of craziness, still a lot of craziness. But this can be a 21 days that just resets you, that just restores you, that just rejuvenates you. And I'll tell you, whatever you've been doing, add fasting to it. And I believe there's a powerful blessing for you if you'll just add fasting, if you'll just add fasting. Stand with me. And so I hope somebody smells the beans this year, smells the coffee. Don't let it look like any other day. 
but allow God to restore you. Allow there to be a reboot in your life. Allow there to be that revival. Allow there to be that rejuvenation that happens in your life. And I just want to tell you today, you might be uh, praying, you might be uh, serving God, loving God. You might be doing all of those things, but you're missing out if you don't add fasting. And I just, I say it every year, but make that fast your own. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to fast. There's a lot of different biblical ways to fast. From three-day fast to five-day fast to water fast to Daniel fasts. Um, I thought of one yesterday. Um, or I thought of one yesterday. I did. I wrote. I wrote 21 devotionals over the last few days, so my mind is a little numb. Uh, but I was looking at a fast the other day that I thought that could be a fast, and it was. It was not strenuous. Find something commit to it, make that vow. And when you add fasting into your life, I promise you, there'll be an accelerant of what God is doing in your life. How many would just bow their heads with me all over this house right now and just pray this prayer with me. I want you to just ask the Lord. I want you to just talk to God on your own. Lord, what would you have me to do? As I prepare my heart, as I prepare my mind to go into this time, Lord, as we as we prepare our hearts, Lord, as we, as we just begin to ask you, Lord, what, what, what sacrifice would you have me make? What commitment would you have me do? What vow would you have me do? Uh, in what area of my life, Lord, do, do, do I need to, to, to ask for help, God? Do I need to turn over to you, Lord? Lord, what kind of fast would you have me to do? What kind of sacrifice would you have me to make? But Lord, I want to add fasting to the devotion that I'm already doing. I want to add fasting to the worship that I'm already doing, God. I want to add fasting to the service that I'm already doing, God, because I know and I believe that fasting gets the attention of heaven, that there's a war in the spirit realm, there's, uh, there's a, an effect in the supernatural, God, when people turn away from the physical and they push away the things of this life and they say, Lord, I'm hungrier for your kingdom. I'm hungrier for your blessing, God. I'm hungrier for your hand on my life than I am for temporary things of this world. And we pray that right now for God's people, Lord, that we would add fasting to our service and our devotion. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How many said amen? Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe.